Wow, it is really raining hard. I can barely... I see there's a bunch of comments, so I can't respond or read any of your comments until I come to a stop, because it's just raining too hard for me to look at that stuff. But that being said, I love the rain. I grew up in the desert area, Los Angeles County, and never really got to experience a lot of rain as a kid, so when it rains, I get a certain joy out of it. No lightning tonight, but we got the hardcore rain. And it's 38 degrees, so... 38 degrees we can live with. That we can live with. Now, if this got any much colder, we'd be screwed. But we're hammering down at a whopping 62 miles an hour. We're in Iowa, just got into Iowa. In fact, we're on I-80, headed west to Denver, Colorado. We're in Iowa. Over on my right coming up is the Iowa 80 truck stop, where I won second place in the strongman competition a few years back. Don't tell people about that, because I really don't like to brag. But that's the Iowa 80 truck stop world's largest truck stop, as far as I know. They have a dog wash. They have, you know, you have a car wash, there's a dog wash, an automatic dog washer there. What more could you ask for? One of these days I'm going to have to go through and they have a museum. They do a big truck jamboree. I want to go through and record a bunch of audio if I have, if I'm coming through here when the jamboree is on. And take some video. I wanted to do video last year, but it didn't work out. Still pissed about that. But let's see what we got here. Oh, bumpy road, bumpy road. Gifts for all ages. That's what the sign says. Exit now. Squishy clean trucker wash. Eat late. Highway 80 kitchen. Get repaired. Back on the road faster. Wendy's. Open 24 hours. Service center. Open 24 hours. Gifts for the entire family, all ages. They have a Dairy Queen, Wendy's, Taco Bell, and a Pizza Hut. I can see the sign now. And they have their own kitchen. Big place. Lots of parking. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some place bigger in the world, but it's definitely the biggest one in the U.S. But their sign says biggest in the in the United States, biggest in the world. So I'm gonna have to go with that since this is the only place I've ever been. Place holds hundreds, thousands, thousands of trucks. It's a busy place. Kind of a hard place to drive through sometimes, but I can usually find parking in there. Because it's so big. Still want to get my camera and go through for the jamboree. I love the old style trucks. Something about the antique trucks is just amazing. Uh, ooh, now we got a cr nice crosswind. Now that the Iowa 80 is behind us, all we have in front of us is a storm. How exciting is that? 
such compelling audio, isn't it? Bah. I'm fighting it. Fighting the storm. Oh, it's an epic journey. It's a battle. Man against the elements. With an 80,000 pound. Actually, I'm not even sure if we're 80,000 pounds. Because I don't remember how much is in the trailers. It's probably closer to 70. It's 80,000 is what we max out at. Probably 70. But that's okay. It's very flat between here and Denver. I heard there was a bunch of snow in Denver. Alright, I'm going to go back to listening to you. And you. And sometimes you. But you know what? Definitely not that guy over there. Hey, Kingfish. You saw Jared from Slainsmith Radio. I just heard your story about um, at Fort Bragg and uh, Voodoo. Uh, so in my head, I'm always going to call you White Voodoo. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was in the Army too, and I do know that you get exposed to a lot of different, you know, a lot of different people. Um, and I'm from North Carolina, so I know that the superstition and stuff is real. So I appreciate you sharing the story, and I look forward to, you know, hearing more as you roll over those uh, those roads, man. So you be safe out there. I look forward to talking to you soon. Oh, man. Thanks for commenting on that. I don't know if I really want to be known as that, <laughs> but, you know, at the time... I was a little, you know, I, like I said, I was very naive and I thought it was really funny that that had happened. But then when I got this, you know, this thing, it was like, oh, shit. You know, I was kind of screwed there for a while. But luckily, everybody in the Army, and you said to yourself, you were in the Army. Luckily, everybody in the Army looks exactly alike. Actually, the truth is... And to people who aren't in the service, you may not realize this, but white, black, Hispanic, every young man in a military uniform that's in the Army pretty much looks exactly the same to everybody that isn't in the Army. And that's truly what it comes down to. But in that particular case, I don't know. I never seen I never experienced anything like that before. It was very educational. But as for North Carolina itself, it's a beautiful place. Oh my god, Cape Hatteras, you know, Myrtle Beach. I mean, just the woods. It's just a beautiful place. It's it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I should know I marched through a lot of it. Spent a lot of time in the woods there. But there are some superstitions. And I wouldn't even say North Carolina is the worst. You know, you go into Mississippi, places like that, it gets much worse. I don't know why. It just does. But... I don't know. It was the one 
super crazy incident in my life. I'm just, it's something I remember, but I'm glad I didn't let it shape me. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I didn't let it affect me. And I'm also glad I didn't get crucified for it. For making a, for making a joke. <laughs> you know, but honestly, I still think it was funny what I said. But the, uh, the outcome was, uh, well, not what I expected. But nothing ever came of it. You know, so I got lucky there. I, get, I think I got lucky. I don't know how serious these guys were. I never asked them. They were in another unit, so I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to push the issue. Mostly because it kind of scared me. You know, that's not the kind of reputation you want to have. Especially when you don't, you know, you don't have that kind of stuff in you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, I hope you have a great day, man. I am in Iowa. It's cold. It rained. And the roads are icy. So it's a beautiful day. Oh, and I just had a flat tire. All right, it's time for quote of the day. I should have did this hours ago, but I started looking at stuff, and we got a flat tire, and it's a pain in the ass. So here we go, admiration. This is the last one in admiration. Then we go back to then we go to adolescence. I really don't want to relive adolescence, but since I'm immature and childish, it'll be easy for me to get back into that subject. So here we go. Admiration. It is almost impossible to find those who admire, admire us entirely lacking in taste. Let's see if I can do that one without screwing it up. It is almost impossible to find those who admire us entirely lacking in taste. J. Pettit Sen. I don't know who J. Pettit Sen is. I've never heard of him, but I gotta say. It is almost impossible to find those who admire us entirely lacking in taste. You know what? I'd say that's probably mostly true. I mean, when I think about all the people who probably admire me, and you're probably one of them, I think to myself, these are some really intelligent people who have good quality and good taste to sit there and listen to the Kingfish channel. These are got to be some of the brightest, bestest, smartest people in the entire world. So, and the people who don't probably don't have any taste at all. So, I would say that this is mostly true. I guess if, you know, if you were pissed off at somebody and they told you they admired you, it would be very disarming. You know, no matter what, flattery always, you know, disarms us, it seems like. At least it does me. But that's mostly because I'm very vain. I try not to be, but it's just so hard. Every time I look in a mirror, I just think to myself, damn, you deserve to be vain. <laughs> you know I'm just kidding, right? I really don't believe that. But I do think that 
that this is probably a true statement for the most part, with a few exceptions. But it is almost impossible to find those who admire us entirely lacking in taste. Yeah, I would say that's true. Because if you think about it, it says it is almost impossible to find those who admire us entirely lacking in, fate, in taste. So if they admire us, we have to agree that they were right about one thing. Because we all think we're good people and nobody ever thinks they're the villain. The bad guy doesn't even think the bad guy is a bad guy. So I would say that J. Pettit Sen nailed it. You know what? I'm going to go 100% on this one. I'm going to say spot on. Which is good because a lot of these admiration quotes were just BS. You know? I just... Uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of them I didn't like. And now we go into adolescence, which is... One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, it's only six. Which is strangely followed by adultery and then adventure. So it's adolescence, adultery, adventure, and then advertising and advice. You know, the, uh, the next couple of groups are kind of creepy how they all follow each other in that order. But we shall go with it. So, yeah, let's see what happens. But anyway, that's quote of the day. Tune in tomorrow for another exciting quote. Hopefully we won't have a flat tire and I'll be on my way home. Okay. I just changed the profile photo again. What it is, is it's... I was stuck at Ghost Rock Rest Area for eight hours in Utah on I-70. And I was there for eight hours because I had a flat tire. I, it made me think of it because I just got a flat tire. So what I did was I sat there at this rest area in this deserty landscape for eight hours. And I sat on the edge of this cliff and I watched the birds fly up and down the cliff. And that was the photo I took. And I was a little bored. So I sat there and started playing with the, one of the editing programs on the phone. I can't remember which one it was. And that's how I edited the, the photo. So I took the photo. I edited it. Edited it. And that's what I came up with. And I don't know. I just like the contrast in colors and, and the desolation of the area. And I don't know. It was a lot of fun sitting there. Coast Park Rest Area on I-70 in Utah, just west of Green River, Utah. Very exciting area. God, it was so boring. But I had my camera, so it was really cool. Anyway, but that's my photo. I took it. I hope you enjoy it. Kingfish Killjoy here. Would you stop changing your dang icon? <laughs> you get lost on my wheel, man. I don't know where Kingfish is anymore. His icon's always changing. Another thing, too. Super late. but I, uh, Super late on this comment, but it's from way back, I don't know, that four days ago in history, maybe. 
the dual audio you're getting, Bluetooth plus stereo. Uh, what's going on here is Anchor's loading segments, and one gets audio focused to your earbuds, right? And you're listening to that, and then you shift the one in the background, but your Bluetooth in your cab probably picks it up and gets that audio stream. But the other audio stream is still playing, hence you get two audio streams playing at once. So every time you skip to the next one, a new thing loads. And depending on what's trying to grab the focus of that audio at the time, that's going to pick it up. So um, I know, a long, boring tech answer, but I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. All right, hold on to an icon so you don't get lost. That's it. Kingfish, you got me on the beach, man. <laughs> Love that profile picture. I guess we're uh, got to make this a new series. Who took Kingfish's photo? Or even better, what's the symbolic features? Uh, Kevin, I took that photo. That's my artistic one. The the the, the bird itself. I didn't know about that one. That was somebody else. But this one, I actually took. This is my actual photo that I actually took myself on I-70 in the Ghost Rock Rest area. Just west of Green River. Uh, probably about three years ago. Yeah, stuck there for eight hours, man. I'll never forget that. Waiting on a tire in the middle of nowhere.
So yeah, 92 Golf, 1995 to 2004. I was in uh, Germany, Korea, Fort Riley, Kansas, Germany again, Kuwait, um, Bosnia in there on my first trip to Germany. So yeah, that was me. Oh man, you got around. All I ever did was go to Fort Bragg. We went to Honduras for a couple months, but that was about it. We were one of the, we were a signal battalion. We were like, I think there's only two airborne. Well, there's three airborne signal battalions in the in the world. One's in Vicenza, Italy. Uh, two are Bragg. One's the the 82nd Airborne Signal, and then there was a the 50th Signal Battalion. And our battalion was, uh, well, the 82nd, I think, only had a company of air, airborne signalmen, and we were the only airborne signal battalion in the U.S., I think. I could be wrong about this. But, uh, yeah, once you went airborne, you got stuck at Bragg. I, w I wanted to go to Germany, but it just never happened. I wanted to go to Vicenza, Italy, is where I really wanted to go. But, you know, life's the way it is. But you you went in. I got out in '87, so you got in long after I got in. The uh, I don't know. There's times when I miss it, but I I would never go back. But I did have a lot of good times. But I would never go back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go ahead. Hey guys, today I screwed up. I went across the Port Oregon scale in Colorado, and I got it over. And the weight was, what's the weight, officer? Oh. No, not oh, I can't get on. Oh, I can, now we can I can say things, and Officer Freeman can't say anything, because, oh, I shouldn't say, can I say your name? It's fine. Okay. So anyway, I'm getting the ticket. It's for thirty-two fifty, which is more embarrassing than financial, because the company pays for it. It's my first overweight ticket ever. I've had over-axle tickets. That's where the load shifts come up and down the hills. But, um. Even though it's a bad thing that happened, it's not a bad experience. I, it's not a bad experience. So, that's one thing. So, that's my night so far. So, I'll update you guys later. Okay, just to follow up to what's going on. I picked up a bunch of ice last night in Des Moines. At least that's what I think happened. Because Doug woke up and I asked him if he had been across a scale. And he, from Chicago to to, ah, so cold. From Chicago to um, in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, he drove across the scale. Maybe they didn't look at the numbers. Maybe they did. They probably didn't even look at them. So there's my out right there. So I can say we went across the scale. But I was 2,050 pounds over on my gross. I'm allowed 80,000 pounds total. And then I'm allowed so many pounds per axle. I think it's 13 for the uh, 13 for the drives, because uh, this is a twin axle truck. I'm allowed 34, and then the the trailers and the dollies are all single axles, and they're allowed 20,000. I think it's 20,000. It's been a long time. Anyway, so I can have any one of those as long as the the singles don't go over 20, and the tandem doesn't go over 34, and the steer doesn't go over 13. 
I can have any combination of weights as long as it doesn't go over 80,000. So that's what happened. I was 8250, uh, so I was 2,500. Uh, uh, 2, uh, or sorry, 2,500. Oh, God, I'm so cold. 2,500 over. So I called dispatch. This is this is the good thing about having it with such a big company. Sometimes it's a big company, not good, but in this case, it's good. There's a St. Paul team, St. Paul, Minnesota, coming into Denver. They got a light rear end. Their their rear was 10,000 pounds, and they had a light front end. I had 23 and 19 on my rear. So what I did was I traded the rear trailer with them, so that dropped me by like 9,000 pounds. Probably probably dropped me by six or seven, actually. And so that made me legal enough to, to where I can drive to uh, to Denver. So that's what happened. But while I was in there, I should have recorded this, but the the scale master, he said he didn't mind if I used his name or if I recorded in there. But he said that he couldn't be on the recording because of state, uh, the state rules. So I didn't record in there because I didn't want to accidentally catch him, catch his voice, get him in trouble. Because he's a pretty nice guy. He's a, a Officer Freeman. You know, he's at the Fort Morgan scale. He's an older guy, he's 65 years old. Used to be a driver back in the 80s. So he knows what we go through. I've talked to him before. Really nice guy. And, you know, he, he made a, a an unpleasant experience very pleasant. You know, he, he doesn't, uh, he's not a dick about the whole thing. Some of these guys, they're hard asses. They try to make you feel like shit. You know, they're just dicks. Officer Freeman, you know, I come in, it's like, hey, Officer Freeman, how's it going? What's up? Hey, uh... You know, sorry, guy, but you're overweight. I gotta, you know, I'm gonna pull you around again, and we're gonna rescale one axle at a time. We'll see what happens. Oh, okay. I said I think I might have some ice on the roof. Not really sure. He's like, well, let's 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 go with it and see what happens. I said, okay. Then we, I can't leave till I get legal. Now, if if the other team wasn't available, it only takes like 20 minutes to to switch out rear boxes. But if the other team wasn't available, Denver's only like 70 miles away. So what I might have had to do, if they would have let me, is they might have let me uh, take one to Denver, come back, pick up the other one, and then go that way. Or Denver might have come out with a single man truck, picked up one of my boxes, and then took it to Denver, and then we'd be legal that way. So... I hope this made sense, but that's what happened. It's zero degrees. That's why I'm out of breath. Because when we were doing all this, um, I had to put the landing gear down. And putting the landing gear down when it's that cold is very hard because I couldn't get the damn thing to crank. But I got it to crank in low gear, and it took forever. So, and, and I had to hit the hammer quite a few times with some of the other stuff to get it to break loose. But... That being said, it's all good. Officer Freeman was a good guy. Made a very unpleasant experience very pleasant. Um, it's going to cut into my home time, but oh well. The guys from St. Paul were awesome. They, they were really nice about it, and I'm glad they, they were able to help me out. 
So funny to hear you driving and talking. Please don't be checking the comments. Don't be doing any fancy anchor stuff. Just keep talking. It's very entertaining. <laughs> If you ever want me to call in and yell at you, just let me know. <laughs> Oh, Maria, when uh, when it gets icy or windy, or there's something unusual going on, uh, I take the headphones off. Uh, I'll pull, I'll put the headphones around my neck and I'll just talk that way. But I find it to be a stress reliever for me. Well, you're the you're a talker. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you get into a situation where it might be a little stressful. I bet you talk it through too. So, you know, but uh, it's just uh, it's just a stress reliever. But yesterday it was so cold and it was so icy and so windy when you uh, when I was doing that that it was just like oh I can't you know I, I literally just can't take my eyes off the road for a second. Most of this anchor stuff I can do without looking at the phone, but with that I needed both hands on the wheel big time. So yeah yeah. But trust me, I don't need any women calling up and yelling at me. I already got a wife. <laughs> That's her job. <laughs> But uh, oh my God, I'm so cold, Maria. It's so cold. You wouldn't know what to do, Maria. Oh, it's negative five. I'm telling you, Maria, you would have no idea what to do up here with this weather. You know what? I don't know what to do. Kingfish. There's storms brewing again been a bit of rain. I'm sitting on the back steps and looking out. It's a beautiful garden here. It really is. There's some stuff up on my Twitter on at New Lulu Island where you get to see there's some in the media section there's like some periscopes and different things. But um, it's really pretty. Even though it's very dilapidated, <laughs> look down these steps and they're so dodgy. But it has its own charm in a way. <laughs> it certainly would put the shabby in chic. I was thinking about some stuff and I was thinking, you know what? I'd love to tell this story to Kingfish. Um, just about it's about flaws in my house. <laughs> oh, Lulu. You know, Australia is one of those places I've always wanted to go to. I would love to check it out. Considering that it's negative five here right now, I would definitely rather be in Australia. Trust me. But you didn't finish your story on floors. I think I think you could stub your toe and turn it into a good story. I would love to hear it. I'll. Uh, I have. I'm, I'm behind on my dial. Tell it over there so you got the five minutes and I'll go listen. And then uh, and I echo, but oh my God, Lulu, it is so cold. It is five degrees. It's, oh my God, it's seven degrees. It's seven degrees below zero Fahrenheit. I want to be on a porch in Australia. Oh, I don't want to be here in Colorado. It's so cold. Okay. I gotta go. Let's see what else we got. But I'm gonna go listen to your dial in a few minutes. Kingfish, hello. I just had a quick question. I hear you mentioning uh, Los Angeles County there. 
And I spent um, two summers in California in a place I called Los Angeles. And uh, one uh, one time it, I spent, I stayed in Santa Monica. Another time I stayed in Fountain Valley. And I realized that never while I was in Los Angeles did I ever get a grip on where was Los Angeles, where was Los Angeles County. Um, I just didn't, I, oh yeah, I found myself in, I worked in Long Beach. Fountains, I never found, got my head around the relationship between Orange County and LA County. Hey Paul. Whew. I'm still out of breath. When you were in Long Beach, you were in Los Angeles County. Long Beach borders. Um, Los, uh, it's the border. You know, it's the the border of the county. In fact, it's the southeast corner of the county. And then if you leave the the county, you know, if you leave Long Beach, then you're in the you're in Orange County. Now, Orange County is more. Uh, Anaheim, Laguna, Huntington Beach, uh, shit, what else is over there? Uh, you know what, I'm not sure of all the cities, quite a few. The biggest, you know, Los Angeles is like Alhambra, Pasadena, uh, West Covina, uh, uh, South Pasadena, wait, wait, let me start over again. Alhambra, South Pasadena, Pasadena, Highland Park, Long Beach, of course, Downey, uh, Glendale, Temple City. I know I'm leaving quite a few out. Culver City, places like that. I, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I don't can't think of all the cities offhand, but that's more that way. From where you were in Long Beach to where Los Angeles was, you can be there in about half hour or so or less depending on traffic so you really went that far away from Los Angeles itself the county's fairly big but in comparison to San Bernardino County I don't know how many times Los Angeles County would fit into San Bernardino County but it would be quite a few San Bernardino County's basically a big deserty wilderness for the most part it's the largest county in the United States. It's huge, but it's also the least populated because it's mostly desert. You know, that would be San Bernardino, Rialto. I think Pomona's in San Bernardino County. I'm not sure. And then you got Needles, City of Needles, which is kind of small. Barstow, of course. Uh, I think Barstow's in San Bernardino. Yeah, Barstow would be in San Bernardino. So I'd have to look. You know what? I, I really have to refresh myself because I haven't lived out there since 95. But uh, if you recall, we talked. I um, I was born in Long Beach, or not Long Beach. I was born in Lakewood, which is the city right next to Long Beach. And then I moved to South Pasadena. So I lived in South Pasadena, Alhambra, uh, Pasadena, San Gabriel, you know, that whole area. So I take it, if I say cultural references like In-N-Out Burger, Paul, do you know them? I bet you do. 
Also on Lakewood Boulevard is the second oldest McDonald's. Now I think it's the oldest McDonald's still in operation. That's on Lakewood Boulevard. The oldest McDonald's was in Barstow, or not Barstow, San Bernardino, the city, but I don't know if that's still there or not. I doubt it. That's where the McDonald brothers started it before Ray Kroc took over. Uh, but in and out I bet you had an in and out burger. I bet you just did. One time, I was driving with my, some dude from Mich- uh, Wisconsin, and we went to visit my grandmother. And uh, I said to my granny, I said, yeah, we stopped at In-N-Out, I got, because we grew up on this stuff. I said, I got James in and out burger. And my grandmother said, oh, how did you like it? And he said, oh, it's okay. And my grandmother looked him right in the eye, and she's like in her 80s, and she looked, she held her fist up in the air, and she goes, kind of just makes you want to sock him in the face, doesn't it, Charlie? And I said, yeah, it kind of does. And James got so freaked out. Oh, so funny. Oh, my God, I'm still trying to warm up. So cold, so cold. Oh, my God, now it says 11 below. Paul, it's 11 below. I'm going to Ireland. You come out here and drive the truck. I'll write poetry, and you can freeze your ass off out here. My poetry won't be as nice, but at least I'll be warmer. Oh, Oh my goodness. Hey, thanks for your contribution there. Uh, Yesterday, I believe... On the advice thing, <clears throat> uh, I took yourself the stuff that you called in with and Paul Amani's stuff and uh, I topped and I tailed it and I shot it out there as an episode. So it's forever um, embedded in the internet. Episode 99 on the Daily Larb and it's on Spreaker and it's on iTunes and Google Play and Overcast and where else is it? It's on Vaudel and uh, so there you go. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> Too late now. But uh, anyway, thanks a lot, man. Talk to you. No, Larry, I found it a really interesting discussion because, and it really hit home with me because I recently had a driver that couldn't take advice at all. I mean, literally at all. Grinded the gears like shit. You know, couldn't climb hills. Didn't know how to go down hills properly. Went down hills too fast. You can only go down the hill too fast once. You know, he gave himself no no legroom. And I tried to give him advice, but he couldn't take it. But the thing is, is that it was heartfelt. I wasn't doing it. He's like, it's none of your business. I said, well, it kind of is my business. I said, I'm in that bunk while you're driving. If you screw up, I said, you may not have noticed this, but if the truck gets into an accident, I'm going to probably, I'm going to be involved too. So I need you to drive safe. So we went round and round about this. And there was one time, I may have even mentioned this, I don't remember, but, yeah, there was like, in my company, these guys are old, you know, 20, 30 year drivers. That's not uncommon. I've been there 17 years, 16 years, been there six, no, 17 years. Anyway, seven, yeah, 17 years. Anyway, um, these guys, you know, sitting at the table is five or six guys. There's there's close to 200 years of experience, and they're talking about winter driving, and this guy just wouldn't have any of it. He wouldn't hear anything they were saying. 
And they weren't trying to give like advice to him. They were just talking about the weather in general and how to drive in the weather. And you know, they were even kind of refreshing and learning from each other. And they included this guy because he was with me. And I said, oh, my God, the, the, the stuff these guys are saying is golden, man. I mean, you should listen to this stuff. I'm listening to this stuff after 17 years, and I'm learning things. How are you? But I, but I guess, you know, he was rebelling against it because he knew everything there was to know about it. You know, kind of like a 17-year-old. But I knew the context of the subject matter, and I knew what they were saying was very, very good information. And so I was able to absorb it and refresh myself. And I think because I had a context for the information. He didn't have a context because he knew everything. Because he knew everything. He can't learn anything. I don't know everything. So it was easy for me to absorb this stuff. Plus, like I said, these guys, you know, we're talking years and years of experience. You know, I mean, literally years and years of experience. And it was like, how could you not, you know, how could you not learn something just being at this table and listening to these guys talk? You know, I know it's just driving, but there's more to it. I don't know. It's just shocking to me. So some folks can take advice. Some folks can't. But I think if advice is heartfelt and genuine, it's easier to take. That's what I think. But if someone's just doing it to be a dick, to make themselves look more important, that's very hard to take. Because nobody likes playing into that kind of ego play. So, And spread all you want. I'm cool with it. I think the world should hear the joy of the kingfish. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alright, talk to you later, man. It, oh, by the way, the, the segment with Kara singing the traffic light sign was awesome, dude. More of that. Hey there, Kingfish. Good morning from my kitchen. It's just after 8 o'clock. And the sky is beautiful and uh, and all that. But I, I don't want to waste time or take use time talking about weather. I got a question. I've just listened to you say that North Carolina is one of the most beautiful places you've ever been to. And I'm thinking to myself is now, where is the most beautiful place in the United States, or where are they? Right now, Paul, I think any place that's warmer than 9 to below 0 Fahrenheit is the most beautiful place in the world, no matter where it is. Um... No, but in all seriousness, of course, I haven't been all over the country, but, you know, the, the upper northeast is really pretty. I mean, there's a lot of trees, a lot of waterways, a lot of lakes. Wisconsin, let's get back to that. Um, North Carolina's on I-40 between Tennessee and North Carolina, they have the Gorge, which is one of the most prettiest drives. Colorado has gorge that's really pretty and a real tight passageway that's called the um shit i can't think of what it's called oh i know the name too it's a famous name how do i not know it i'm blanking out 
anyway, it's right there by, uh, you son of a bitch, I can't remember the town. Anyway, that's another, Colorado's got a lot of scenic, a lot of beauty. Georgia's really beautiful, a little backwards, a lot of humidity. Los Angeles has its charms, and you have the mountains and the beaches and all that, but there's just too many damn people, so it kind of ruins it. Glenwood Canyon. That's it, Glenwood Canyon. That was Colorado. It was Glenwood Canyon. I was blanking out on that. That's really beautiful, because you get the rail, and then you get the Colorado River flowing through, and then you get... Uh, yeah, the road kind of twists and it's elevated. Montana. If you like trees and you know rolling hills and just open, just just beauty you know, wilderness. Montana. South Dakota, North Dakota. There's something majestic about that big open land. You know, in Utah on the 70 with the pinnacles. I'll send you some photos. You know, I just don't know if there is one place that's... Well, I know one place that's absolutely beautiful. It's the most stunning place in the world. The view of Lake Michigan from my living room. That's the most beautiful place in the world. Yeah, I'll go with that. But the rest of the country... it. This country is so varied... And there's so much stuff here and so many different climates that it's impossible to narrow it down to what's, a, you know, what's more, you know, the most, the most beautiful place. I just, because some people are like totally into the desert. Some people love the mountains. Some people love the oceans. We literally have it all. So, I don't know if I could, I, I would have to go with my living room. That's where I that's where I think it looks the prettiest. But I don't know. I gotta think about this one. But I'm gonna go with my living room. Sitting outside on the Lake Michigan. Watching the sun go down. Or watching the moon come up actually. And the light streaming across the lake. That's when I think it's the best. But there are times when you're in the desert of New Mexico even, and that golden light hits the desert, and it streams across the valley, and it's just, it'll just take your breath away. The early morning is probably the best for that. Or when you, oh I know, on the next bit if I get to Portland. When you get over into Portland, you're in Idaho and you're going through all the wooded area there. And then what you do, as you drop down the hill, and now you're in, you know, uh, Cabbage, when you drop down Cabbage, then you start running along the Columbia River, and you look at all the houseboats and sailboats and barges out on the Columbia River, and you ride that road all the way down to Portland. That's absolutely stunning. My favorite drive? I can do that. Portland to Reno. That one's wild. 